You know, when I was, uh, when I was in college, uh, I attended Gulf Coast Bible College in Houston that's now Mid-America Christian University here in Oklahoma City. And I had the, the privilege of uh, playing basketball four years that I was there. My, uh, my sophomore year, during the preseason, we were, uh, we were doing practice games against various schools around the area and stuff. And coach uh, came in one day and let us know that we were going to be having a practice game against a prison team. And we were kind of like, what? And he said, well, we're going down to Angleton, Texas, and it's uh, the Ramsey Unit 2, which is a maximum security ward prison, but they have a prison team, and I've arranged to go down there to get a scrimmage for us. And we're like, what? You know, how many of you have ever been in prison before? Been in a prison before? Yeah, yeah, uh, come on. How many of you just never been caught? Just, yeah, 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 more of you. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of a scary deal if you've never gone in. You know, you go in and they start closing these doors and locking them behind you, which is kind of freaky. And uh, they get, we got in there, and then the representative from the prison, once we got in, kind of were telling us the do's and don'ts of things we could do and we couldn't do. And he said, you know, he said, one of the things against, you know, you guys can relax. He said, our, our players are just really grateful to have you come and, and play. He said, we don't get any away games. He said, you know, they don't, we, we, we don't get to go anywhere. So he said, they're going to be really grateful, you know, that you're playing. So they'll be, they'll be nice and all of that. And he said, you may get some cat calls from the, from the you know, the other prisoners watching and that stuff. But it'll, you'll be safe and all that. So we got out there, and it just kind of messes with your mind, you know. I mean, you get out there, and you get these guys, and we're all just a bunch of skinny college kids, you know, 19 years old or whatever, and these are men. I mean, some of them look like they'd been in prison for a long, long time, you know, and they, they were big and muscular and all tatted up, and, and we're like, oh, man, you know, and you get out there, and then you, your mind starts going, I wonder what this guy's in for. You know, I wonder if he got mad during a basketball game and just killed a guy. You know, so you're trying to be, hey, you want the ball here? You can have the ball, you know, kind of stuff. And so we, we start playing, and it was, it was, it was, and it was, it was good. He was right. They were, you know, they were nice. They, they behaved themselves, and, and everything went well. When we got done, no kidding, when we got done, we, we, we got all of our stuff, and the guy came over to our bench, and he said, hey, he said, we don't have any visitors' showers. He said, but if you want a shower, you can do it, but it has to be in the same showers where our players are. And we go, we'll pass on the showers. Thank you very much. We're, we're, go, we're going on. So we got our sweats on, and we got to the van. We're, we're driving out. We, we got out to the van, and we're leaving. And as we're driving away, as we're heading down this long road away from the prison, there were these rice paddy fields, these rice fields on, on either side, and there were prisoners out working in these, in these rice fields. And as I'm looking, I, I realized there's no fences there. I mean, we're outside the prison walls, and there, there are no fences, just open field, and then it goes a long ways, and then there are some wooded areas way on down. And I'm like, this, I mean, this is a maximum. So what, what's stopping these guys from running? I mean, just taking off. And I said, surely they don't trust these guys that much. And I, I leaned up and I, I said to Coach Ali, I said, hey, Coach, how, what's, what's keeping these guys from running away? And he said, well, look out the back window. He said, look at the, look at the wall. And so I turned and I looked out, out the back window. And along this wall in this prison, there was a ledge. And there were about six guys, six guards with scope rifles standing on this wall. And he said, those are sharpshooters. He said, those guys can pick the wings off a fly at about 200 yards. And he said, they're dead eyes. He said, these guys aren't going anywhere. And, uh, and it hit me. It was so strange. I thought, you know, isn't it wild 
that it wasn't, it wasn't what was in front of these guys. It wasn't a wall or barbed wire. It wasn't anything in front of them that was keeping them prisoner. It was what was behind them. That's our story for many of us. There are some of us here that are struggling to really move forward in our life, but it really doesn't have anything to do with what is in front of us. If we're honest, for some of us, our struggle are the chains we're still wearing from what's behind us. You know, the good news today is this. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus Christ offers you a brand new opportunity this morning. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. And and if that's your situation, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior today, you can have forgiveness for your past. He can wash all that away, and today you can take the first steps into a brand new future. And there are some of us, we've taken that step, but can we be honest? There's still some stuff we haven't let go of yet. There's still some stuff that's creating issues for us, even on our journey of faith. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're we're in this series called One Thing. And there are several times the Bible talks about one thing. One of them is in the passage today from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 that we want to look at. Because I think this is a great challenge for us and I think all of us can use this. Are you ready? Take your sermon outline out. Look, Look with me. Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's writing it to the Philippians. And he's trying to give them some encouraging words. And a part of what Paul was doing uh, in this passage in chapter 3 is he was looking back over his past experience and where he had been and what he had done. And then here's what he says, beginning at verse 12. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. Read it out loud with me now. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Paul said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not all that I know I should be, not all that I hopefully will be, but I've, won, I've learned one thing. I can't be who I used to be, and I can't let the things that are behind me keep me from moving forward. Now, my challenge to you today, my question to you today is, what is it about your past that that may be holding you back from really becoming all that God wants you to be? And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what kind of things in our past? Glad you asked. Let me give you three, okay? One of those things that in our past that sometimes we have to get beyond is our past pain. It's our past pain. Look at me. Life hurts sometimes, doesn't it? 
If we were to take a moment to share, I guarantee you there would be a lot of us that we could share some pains that we've had. Some of us grew up in families where we were abused or neglected or had very horrible things happen to us. Some of us have had events in our lives, tragedies, trauma. We've had things that have happened to us that, that, that have, have scarred us deeply. Uh, life has all kinds of hurts to it. But along the way, somehow, we've got to learn how to address that pain. Because if we don't, it stays attached to us all of our lives. I, I love this quote. Throw that, throw that up on the screen for me. I love this. Christopher Reeve said, pain is inevitable, but misery is a choice. I, that's such a great quote. And if you know the story of Christopher Reeve, you remember him? He, back, he was the, the original Superman, you know, when the movies first came out. And uh, for those of you who know his story, he ended up being in, a, in an accident riding a horse where he broke his neck and was paralyzed from the shoulders down. And, and again, when those kinds of things happen, you know, it'd be very easy to just say, I'm just going to curl up in a fetal position in a corner and wait till I die. But he didn't. You know, he went right back and he, he went on to directing. He went to writing a couple of books. He went to being, becoming a motivational speaker. He, he, he lived, he, he didn't get to live a long life, but he lived till he died. And, and he was a guy who said, you know what? Pain is inevitable. You can't, you don't have any determination over the things that happen to you, but you do get to choose what you do with the things that happen to you. Amen. You know, and, and that's part of, for some of us, it's that past pain. Some of us, it's past relationships. Some of us, it's past trauma. Can we be honest? For some of us, man, we've been, we've been in churches that hurt us deeply. And sometimes when we've had pastors or priests or churches that have hurt us deeply, you know, we start pulling back and we start pulling away. And that becomes a blockade for us from really leaning into all God wants to do. Somehow, we've got to be willing to address that past pain and set it aside. Can I give you another one? We have to get beyond our past failures. We have to get beyond our past failures. Come on, it's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've failed before? Many times. Already this morning. <laughs> it's a part of life. But yet sometimes, sometimes failure can just kind of wrap itself around us to it. It becomes this defining thing, and, and you don't have to be defined by your failures. I, I love this quote from Thomas Edison when he was trying to invent the light bulb, and all these things didn't go right. He says, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. What a great attitude toward life. Failure happens. And that's one of the things Paul was talking about. He said, you know, I, I, I have failed. I have failed over and over again. And you can either stand and look back and, and, and just wallow in the shame of all of those failures, or you can take that failure and you can set it aside and, and you can move forward to what God has. And that's what I love about this, this, this verse. You know, this, this word that's used, forget doesn't really mean forget, push it out of your memory, because you can't do that. You can never escape it from your mind. It's a word that literally means to take it and set it aside. And that's what you have to do. You take your pain, you face your pain, you deal with your pain, you know what? And with the process of God, help of God, you set it aside. You take your fears, whatever those are, and you begin to set them aside. You know, we kicked off Celebrate Recovery a couple weeks ago. Just, God, so great. And uh, this week, coming up, this Thursday night, we've got a, a guy who's going to be sharing his testimony. And what he's going to tell us, what he's going to tell all of you who are there, is he failed. He failed big. But you know what? 
God is able to take the failures of our past, redeem them, and give us a future. Amen. Our past pain, our past failures. Let me give you one more, and this one sounds kind of funny. We have to get beyond our past accomplishments. We have to get beyond our past accomplishments. What's funny in this passage in chapter 3 is that Paul talks about all these wonderful things that he did, all these accolades, all these achievements, all these uh, things that, that he did in his past. And anyway, he said, he goes, I regard all of those as garbage. I look at them as garbage now for the sake of really knowing Christ and what he wants to do in my life. Now, why is this so important? It's real easy to forget what got you to where you are. Yeah, I, I mentioned... You know, Juan and I celebrating our anniversary yesterday, and we've done a lot of uh, a lot of talking about you know our journey together. And, and one of the one of the things we noted is is that um, sometimes when you're when you're courting someone, you know you. You, you exercise all this energy, you know, you, you put on your best and you, you do a lot of talking and you do a lot of things to try to really connect. And, and sadly, what often happens are two people who really courted each other and gave themselves to each other, they get married and they take it all for granted. And they stop doing the things that really stoke the fires of love. And the same thing happens in our journey of faith. Come on, it's just us. Sometimes we, we come to Christ, and sometimes that, that step to, to faith is a, is a passionate step, you know, and we come to Christ, and we're so thankful for forgiveness. We're so thankful for grace, and then we begin this journey, and sometimes we just forget what God did, and we forget what it really means to be a man or woman of God, and sometimes we just we take all of that for granted. And when you grow complacent in your faith, you just begin to die. He who is not busy being born is busy dying. Amen? Now, we, we, we've got to sometimes, let's set aside that accomplishment and say, you know what? I need to seize the new thing. Look at me. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what God's done in your life up till now. Here's what I believe with all my heart. If God is still on his throne, the best days in our life and journey with him should be the days yet to come. I believe that. So what, what can we take from Paul to help us on our journey? How can, what can we do to kind of set it aside in our own faith? You ready? Let me, give you, let me just give you three things. I'll give them to you pretty quick. Here's the first one. Draw from the past, but don't drown in it. Draw from the past, but don't drown in it. You know, when I, when I talk about forgetting, about setting it aside, if we're honest, some of us don't set it aside. We just take it and we just kind of carry it with us, you know, and we don't let it go. Now, how many of you played sports? Okay, you'll get this. How many of you ever, when you played sports, had a bad game, you played really bad or you lost a big game and you spent the entire night storming, walking around mad about what you did? Anybody do that? Yeah. Did it ever change that game? No. All it did was keep you up at night. And what you learn is that's exactly what happens to us. We will we'll tend to take our past and, and, and we'll just go over it and over it and over it and over it. And we just, we lose ourselves in the what is behind us rather than learning what's there and moving forward with it. <coughs> that's why I put that statement on your outline. You know, the past is a wonderful place to learn from, but it's a horrible place to live in. We do need to learn. Amen. We do need to learn. 
And the past is a great place to learn from, but you got to set it aside. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had read a story from a gal named Lillian Guild was talking about her and her husband heading down a, a highway, heading uh, toward a town, and um, saw a guy off on the side, had a, had a newer model Cadillac, had the hood up, and they decided to, to pull off and see if he could use some help. And when they, they got over and he, um, he was embarrassed, he said, I'm so sorry. He goes, it's actually not anything mechanical. He said, I'm out of gas. He said, I got out. I got in my car this morning. He said, I knew the gas gauge was low, but I decided, man, I've got a really big meeting. And he said, I've got to get, I've got to get into town. I've got to get to work. And he said, so I came zooming in. And sure enough, he goes, I ran out of gas. Now I'm even later. And they said, well, you're in luck. We actually have a gallon, of, a gallon of gas in our trunk. We'll be happy to give to you. So they, they put the gas in his tank, and, the, and, and Lillian's husband said, hey, there's a gas station two miles up the road. You can fill up, and you can be on your way. And so they gave him the gas. He jumped in the car, and he took off. They got all their stuff together, got back on the road themselves. Twelve miles down the road, that same guy is sitting on the side of the road with his hood up. Yeah, you guessed it. They pulled off to see what, what was wrong now, and he comes over, and he got a head down. He goes, I am so sorry. He goes, you gave me that gas, and as I began to make myself believe, now I could make it all the way to town. So rather than stop for gas, he just kept going, and here he was yet one more time out of gas. Look at me. Some of us never learn. Amen? And again, we, we ought to look at the past, and we ought to go, you know, what got me there? And you know what? I need to let go. I do need to change, draw from it. Just don't drown in it. Amen? Just don't drown in it. A second thought I would give you is forget where you've been by focusing on where you're going. Forget where you've been by focusing on where you're going. Now, this idea when Paul says to forget, you go, how in the world do you forget something? Have you, have you discovered this? The harder I try to forget something, I'm just reminding myself of it. You know, you can't go, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. Because the more you're doing that, you're actually thinking about that. That's just dumb. So how do you forget that? It's by focusing on something else. Look, look at what Paul says. This is one from the verses we read earlier. Paul says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Read it with me. I press on. Say it again. I press on. On. Paul, when, to the Hebrew writer, Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 12, he said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Read it with me. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Lee, do you have that quote for me? I think I skipped over that. Do you have that quote you can throw up? At? up on the screen. I love this. He said, there's a, there's a reason why your windshield is bigger than your rear view mirror. Where you're headed is more important than what you left behind. That is so good. I, I, I love, I absolutely love that. Um, throw those runners up on the screen for me, would you, Will, or Lee? 1954, um, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile for the first time. And uh, it was, had never been done before. Roger, uh, Roger Bannister, who was a British runner, uh, just amazed the world in May of 1954 when he did that. The very next month, a guy by the name of John Landry broke Roger <laughs> Bannister's record, 
beating his world record by 1.4 seconds. And it, that's a, quite a bit on, on, a, on a mile when you consider how fast these guys are going. In August, two months later, these two guys are running in the same race. It was, it was marked as the, the race of the century. They're in Vancouver, British Columbia. And, and they're in this race together. Now it's going to be, okay, who, who of these world guys are really going to do it? And they're coming. They get into the last turn. John Landry, who was from Australia, he's in the lead. And he's getting to the last several yards before the finish line. And he couldn't stop. As hard as he was going and running forward, he couldn't help himself. He looks over his shoulder. And you can see it in this picture that they caught. He's looking over his shoulder to see if Roger Bannister is coming up on him. And when he did, he kind of faltered his steps a little bit. Roger Bannister was actually on the other side, lurched forward. And Roger Bannister wins the race. Not because he was faster but because John Landry looked back. In the interview, this is interesting, in the interview later, John Landry said, I would have won the race if I hadn't looked back, if I hadn't taken my eyes off of the goal. Pastor Steve, I've got this stuff in my past that I need to set aside. What can I do? You lean into God and you ask him to show you what's in front of you. Because the more you think about what's in front of you, the less you think about what's behind you. Does that make sense to you? Let me give you one more. Let God redeem your past into a gift of grace to others. Let God redeem your past into a gift of grace to others. This thought to me is just so unbelievable. How amazing is our God? He's so amazing that not only can he forgive what is behind us, but he can actually take all of the scar tissue of that and he can turn it into a lesson that you can use to teach someone else so they can escape what they are dealing with. That's exactly what God did with Paul. Can you imagine a guy who persecuted Christians, a guy who killed people, with their faith and gloriously is saved and realizes what he was doing. And when he comes out of that brokenness, is there anyone better to speak about how great God's grace really is than a guy who had to be forgiven? All of that. When Paul was telling people, God can forgive you, Paul knew what he was talking about because he knew what God had forgiven him. In fact, on your outline, I love this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul said, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Listen to this. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. Read this out loud with me. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others too will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You get that. Paul said God can take this horrible past that we don't ever want to think about again, and God can actually transform that into a plant platform for ministry. Um, in Genesis, there's a great story of a guy named Joseph. 
who God gave a dream to, but his dream didn't go the way he thought it would go. He ended up being betrayed by his brothers. He ended up being beaten by them, sold into, sold into slavery. He ended up in Egypt where he ended up being thrown into prison. Eventually, as God continued to bring him out of those places, Joseph ended up number two in all the land of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. There was a famine in the land, and God actually used Joseph to save his homeland. His brothers thought he was dead. His brothers thought he was gone. And can you imagine his brothers when they came into the court, and there was Joseph second in command? Can you imagine how scared they were? When Joseph's father died, they were frightened to death that now Joseph was going to really enact revenge on them. But I want you to look at the perspective that Joseph had. On your outline, Genesis 50, 20. Read it with me. Here's what Joseph said. You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people just as he's doing today. I know you think there is nothing good that can come out of your past, but I beg to differ because our God is a redeemer and he can take the things that the enemy meant for evil and he can redeem them for good. Amen. Throw that picture up early. That sweetheart is a guy by the name of Paige Hunter. She's from England. She's in her early 20s. When Paige was 18, uh, she grew very despondent. Uh, she had some things that had happened in her life, and she grew increasingly depressed. And finally, she decided she was going to take her own life. And so she went to this bridge. Throw that picture up. This is Wareworth Bridge in, in England, Wearmouth Bridge. And it was actually a place where it was kind of um, a common place for people to go who wanted to end their life. And Paige went to, to the edge and was thinking about how bad her life had been and was really was ready to jump or ready to, to do, it, do herself in. And there were, there were two people who happened to be coming by with and they spoke to her. And here's what they said. You're worth more than this. You're worth way more than this. And Paige said as she listened to the words that they said, she said for the first time in a long time, she felt a flicker of hope. And she stepped down. And she began to get help. And she began to overcome the depression that she had had. And began to deal with the pain in her life that had caused her to come to this place. But she did something else. She began to think of the fact that she could have been one of so many other people who have ended their life on this bridge. And she just was overwhelmed. I want to help them. And so here's what she started doing. Throw that next picture up on the screen. She began to go to the bridge, and she would write these handwritten notes, and she would laminate them so that they wouldn't get rained on and, and fade but she would write these notes of hope and put them on the bridge so that other people could read them and maybe find some of the same words of hope that she found. Throw that next picture up. Like for instance, this word, this note says, be strong because things will get better. It may be stormy now, but it never rains forever. Throw the next one up. I love this one. Don't give up, not now, not tomorrow, not ever. And she gives them a phone number to call. 
when I read this story, I thought, isn't this exactly what God wants to do in our lives? He wants to take what the, what the enemy meant for evil in our life, and he wants to redeem it for good. There are so many testimonies of all these people that, that have written Paige and, and, and let her know, have emailed her or called her or contacted her and said, you saved my life. I read your note, and I thought, maybe there's hope for me. That's what God can do with your past. He can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can redeem it for good. Amen. Well, I want you to bow your heads with me this morning and I, I just want to take a moment and I'm going to, I want to pray for us in just a second. But before I do that, I, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I just want you to take a moment of reflection. You know, this morning... The grace of God is open to you. And maybe, you, maybe you've been doing life all on your own. Maybe you've been trying to do it your way, and maybe you're finally at a place where you say, you know what, it's just not really working out well for me. And maybe today is your day where you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you would just reach out to him and pray that simple prayer of faith, Lord Jesus, save me. God will forgive you of your past. God will deposit his Holy Spirit within you. And he will promise he will never leave you or forsake you as you began your journey of faith. If you've prayed that prayer, some of you may still be dealing with some things in the past. Some of you, while I was preaching in the morning, maybe, maybe have been able to identify and say, yeah, pastor, I've got some, I've got some past pain that's still gets in my way. I've got some past failures that get in my way. I've got some past pride that gets in my way. And, and I need to set that aside. If that's you this morning, can I ask you to do something courageous? With every head bowed, every eye closed, could I just get you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, as you pray, that's me. I've got some stuff that's still lingering that I need to set aside. I've got some stuff behind me that I need to let go. Where we are, just hold your hand up high. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're in good company. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you today, we're so grateful that you're not just a God of tomorrow and a God of today. You're the God of yesterday. You were there in all of the things that we went through. Father, I pray today for every single person who for the first time in their life is opening their heart to you, and they're inviting you today to be their Savior and their Lord. Lord, wrap your arms of grace around them. Let them know that your grace is greater than all of their sin, and that today, Lord, as you breathe your Holy Spirit into them, they can begin a brand new life walking with you every single day. Father, there are others of us, we've prayed that prayer some time back, but but, Lord, we, we confess to you that there are some things behind us that are, that are still bugging us. There's some past pain, God, that we haven't fully set aside, and we need your help today. Some of us, we need the strength to even face that pain. We need this courage to be able to, to face it, to, to, to deal with it, to, to, to not just admit that it was there, but maybe to take it to a safe person that we can talk about, a, a pastor or a good friend, a wise person or a counselor. And we need to allow you to work through that process of that pain so that we can fully let it go. For some of us, Lord, it's our failure. Some of us have, have done things, God, and, and blown it, and we just, we're having a hard time forgiving ourselves. 
And God, I pray that you would just so fully enfold us with your grace that we could let go of that failure, learn from it, but let it go so that we might become all that you've called us to be. For some of us, Lord, if we were to be really honest, we've got some pride in our life. It's not that we don't have a journey of faith, but quite frankly, Lord, there are some of us that you haven't done really anything new in our life for a long, long time. We're still resting on the laurels of our first commitments and our first steps. God, I believe that you have something new you want to do in us. So today, we set aside that pride and we say, Lord, like Paul, I want to press on to the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Father, sometimes it's not the things in in front of us that are giving us the most problems. Sometimes it's the things that are behind us. Today, Lord, we give you that one thing. Help us to set it aside that we might embrace you in the fullness that you've called us to. These things we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, before we, uh, before we leave here, we want to do um, something special. Um, most of you are aware that this is Pastor Will's last Sunday with us. Will, Steph, won't you guys come on up? And uh, they're going to be heading out this week, heading to Vincennes, Indiana, where Will gets to be the big kahuna of the church. Comes all the way to the middle here. There we go. And uh, he gets to be the senior pastor. And, and we are, we're both uh, sad but excited. Them, We have watched God prepare them for this moment, and we want to commission them. We have invested a lot in them as they have invested a lot in us, and uh, we are just going to continue to cheer and believe and pray that God is going to do incredible things through this couple. But before I pray, I'm going to invite uh, any of you who would just like to come, youth, those of you guys that would like to come, any of our uh, adults who have worked with Will or staff or elders that would like to come, any, anybody who... Uh, knows Will and aren't afraid to be seen with him publicly. Go ahead and just, you're not going to miss that, are you? Hey, let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for the journey that we have. How we thank you, Lord, for the people that you bring into our lives and the opportunity that we have to allow them to be used by you to touch us and, and how you use us to touch them. I think back to five and a half years ago. I was sitting at a restaurant in Pennsylvania with Will and Steph. And as he shared his story, I had no doubt that Chartel was the place that he needed to be, where God could wrap, where you could wrap your arms around them, where you could heal their hearts, where you could grow them into the man and woman of God that you were wanting, the leaders that you were calling them to be. And it has been an incredible privilege for us to watch them grow over these years. We're so thankful, God, for how they've invested in our students and in our college kids. Lord, we're, we're to see the lives that have been changed, and I know that there are youth that are standing beside me, but they're, they're going to be forever different because they crossed their path. And God, I thank you for all of us as adults who had the privilege of sitting under Will's teaching and, 
and got to hear you speak through him, incredible words of life, and how he's grown as a preacher and as a communicator. And God, I know that there are going to be people in Indiana that their lives are going to be touched and changed forever because you're going to use him as your vessel. God, we love them so much. And it's hard to let them go. But we give them to you. We believe that you have prepared this moment in these steps. So wrap your arms around them. Hold them close to your heart. Remind them every single day that there's a group of people back in Oklahoma City who are now a part of that great crowd of witnesses for them, who are cheering for them, who are believing in them, and who are praying for them. On their days when they grow discouraged, and they will grow discouraged, God, we pray that they will remember this moment in time and that you will breathe into them the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I know as they take this step, the enemy is going to come against them. He's going to try to make them think that they made a mistake. He's going to try to steal the joy out of this new experience. And today, Lord, as a body, we rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you would just put them in your bubble of grace, that, God, that this transition will be smooth and that their impact will be immediate. Remind them, Lord, that a piece of us goes with them just like as a piece of them remains with us. Lord, we give you for what you're going to do through them. All the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.